You're listening to the Call Me Mr. You, the podcast, your new home for inspiration, family, sports conversations, and a lot of other stuff. We're your all-purpose pod for an all-purpose life and your weekly mirror check before you go change the world, baby. Enjoy the show. I'm your host, Mr. You. Welcome back to the All-Purpose Pod for an All-Purpose Life. Thank you again for joining us on the Call Me Mr. You, the podcast. Loving the comments and thoughts that we're getting on our social media platforms. You're loving the show. The show's impacting you in a positive way. Let's keep that going. So excited about today's episode. A lot of the times when I talk about this type of topic, it gets a little deep, gets a little somber. But I believe there's a valuable lesson in this one for us, and I hope you can catch it. Pass all the emotion and the memories and the experiences. I hope you catch the important parts of this. So get yourself ready. Lock in. This is going to be a good one. Now, it took me a long time to get here, to be honest. I've wrote, I've written books about this, uh, blogs about this. I've talked about this in public settings. I posted on social media about this. It's not hard to find, but it took a long time to get here. Recent events have made me think about this a lot more than ever before. It would represent the most arduous, most difficult, and painstakingly honest chapter of my life. Like I said, I wrote about it in some of my books, and I'm very likely to be at my most transparent by talking about this today. So I hope all of our listeners today get a big revelation after they hear what I share today is kind of one of those points that can no longer be denied. I think we do ourselves a great disservice by dragging old stuff into new situations. Can anybody relate to that? Haven't you seen this a million times? The lottery winner that runs roughshod into a brand new world he or she could only dream about. The part that makes it combustible that deep down inside, the lottery winner has taken their old lives with them. Old friends who knew them back when. Old ideas about how to deal with conflicts. Old ideas about how they see the rest of humanity. Old stuff being stuffed into the luggage en route to a new world. There's an old saying that money just makes you more what you already were before you became wealthy. The result is the same every single time, no exceptions. There's a passage that I've lived with, slept with, and meditated on for years And it's a reminder that I have come to rely on for guidance. It's the sticky notepad on the bathroom mirror kind of deal. Check this passage out. It's from Matthew chapter 9, verse 16 and 17. It reads, No one sews a patch of unshrunk cloth on an old garment, for the patch will pull away from the garment, making the tear worse. Neither do people pour new wine into old wine skins. If they do, the skins will burst. The wine will run out. And the wine skins will be ruined. No, they pour new wine into new wine skins, and both are preserved. That's Matthew chapter 9, verse 16 and 17. In the context, Jesus is being accused of not keeping step with the old religious way of doing things that the religious leaders of that time, namely the Pharisees, were well known for touting. But the reference to the new wine skins is a very clear illustration of 
of the incompatibility of the old religious system to the new kingdom message. Just a quick thought regarding these wineskins. Winemaking is common in the backdrop of this passage. Every year, the old skins were emptied and repurposed for reuse the following year. They had become dry and brittle over time in the repurposing process by soaking water for several days, followed by a coating of olive oil. This allowed the wineskins or bottles, quote unquote, to be in effect stretched for the expansion of gas as part of the fermentation process necessary for winemaking. A little science for all you nerds out there. Now, I'm not a biblical scholar, but I venture to say that the analogy is flat out teaching us that unless the old heart is reconditioned and softened to accommodate the new message of life that Jesus Christ brings, it will not be fit to hold it. Even in the most practical of terms, if you were a winemaker and that was your livelihood and the sole means of commerce for you and your family, you would never do anything to waste new wine and cost your family necessary income. So it will behoove you to ensure that the skins or the bottles used in this process to hold that valuable wine are treated correctly so they can be sold. So I'm sure now you possess your own thoughts about this. But my takeaway is that if I'm so inclined to cling to the old inflexible methods of serving God, I would destroy the opportunity to receive a beautiful message of love and grace that goes far beyond my involvement in my local church. How much I give to and how many charities I give to. How many good deeds I randomly do. Random acts of kindness, they call that. It extends itself as an invitation to relationship. One of the greatest benefits of a torn veil. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. It reminds me of an old army green duffel bag I used to have many years ago. My mother was totally against me going into the military for a lot of reasons back then. But my admiration for what they did was far-reaching. This is even before I even knew that I had a father in the military. I don't even recall where that bag came from. It may have been a relative's or something given to us at some point, but I stuffed everything I thought was valuable in it. Pens, pads for my writing, notebooks, favorite sweaters, spare pair of sneakers, you name it. It was inside that duffel bag. You would think I was moving somewhere or expecting an emergency where I had to leave at a moment's notice. That bag was tossed around, stepped on, kicked over. It began to fray at the seams and even fade in color. There was even a hole at the bottom of the bag starting to grow that had to patch it with blue denim. Rugged to say the least, right? Over time, some of my smaller items would slip through the hole in the bottom and be lost somewhere that I'd probably been. It wasn't long that I realized that the hole was too big to patch. And I couldn't afford to keep losing valuable items, so I put my favorite bag down for good. It pained me to do so, but I had to. It was simply a small, more personal example of what can happen when we hold on to old things for too long. One of the biggest tragedies that we don't discuss much is dragging our old lives into our new beginnings, into our new opportunities. It's a stunning visual. I can almost see it right now. I wonder if you can. Imagine literally dragging every old, unburied issue from your life, everything that's been unresolved, particularly painful, uncomfortable in your journey towards a new world, a new life, a new beginning. It's really inevitable that you will add to that burden with 
new memories and new challenges and new feelings and new issues. It's going to be a heavier load to carry, of course. We don't physically do that, but emotionally and spiritually, we're very guilty of that. And there's a great cost for doing that. It's exactly what the point of this chapter was supposed to be about. It's exactly what myself had done to my own detriment. I wrote about this in a couple of the books that I I published. But there are places in life that we are allowed to experience, but not supposed to remain in, if that makes sense. I think many of us fail because we don't recognize the difference. Seasons change, and often we have to change with them, but we get settled. We prefer the creature comforts, stability, the normalcy, and the escape from the constant, ever-shifting lifestyle of change. Just like those who came well before us, we seek a place to settle down. It's how we think. It's how we view life. I think about Matthew chapter 7, verse 4, where Paul was granted the opportunity of a lifetime to see something most eyes have never seen. Rather than gain understanding of what he was doing there and why he was given the opportunity to observe something so incredible, he rather attempted to rationalize what he was seeing, to set up shop and be permanent in a temporary but incredibly beautiful situation. He tried to put down roots in a place he was passing through. Peter was going to ground himself permanently in a place that was supposed to be temporary. So that sound like anybody you know. Of course, Jesus denied that request to remain in that place. The work that was calling Peter was a lot closer to home than where he was in that moment. I'll never forget Peter's words as long as I live. His words are probably your words in many situations, probably my words in a few situations. Peter said, Master, it's good for us to be here. It's good for us. The way I see it, we should stay here. In my mind, it makes total sense. What a beautiful place to be. Let's stay and hang out. Let's build something here. Oh, sweet Peter. You can take Peter's name out and put your name in there because perhaps, yeah. See, I need to talk to you about a man, a very young man, in fact, as much had culture and experiences, but still unsure of himself in many ways, I think. He was kind of lost. I considered him a friend. He was easy to get to know, but in a sense, he was a paradox, an enigma, a mystery. Just when you thought you had him figured out, he would do something wildly unpredictable. Just when you thought you knew all the questions, or all the answers, I should say, this guy changed the questions. He was impulsive, daring, and then he could be reliable and competent and quote-unquote safe. He was outgoing, to say the least. I really liked him. I thought that he was definitely friend material. I didn't have a lot of friends at the time when he entered my life. But to be honest, I'm not not even sure what my life would have been like had Michael not entered it. Now, looking back, if I'm completely honest, it was necessary. I needed Michael as much as perhaps Michael needed me. I was going through some personal challenges where Michael and I got acquainted. I was active in ministry, and to a degree, 
I was kind of being taken advantage of in ministry. I stopped sure I called myself abused, but I was definitely being taken advantage of in a way that wasn't very good. I didn't know how to get myself out of the situation that I was in. I was going through some challenges with some family members as well. And then add to that some work challenges and some financial difficulties that I've never experienced before in my entire life. It was a whole lot of new things going on, but not in a good way. I was at wit's end most of the time. And it wouldn't take much for me to kind of just, you know, careen over the edge, so to speak. I didn't like where I was mentally, emotionally, or spiritually. I was holding it all together with duct tape and bubble gum, to say the least. I had the consistent support of a beautiful wife, and I still have my faith in Jesus Christ, but I was struggling. I felt like a failure in more ways than I can count. There were just too many missing pieces, too many unanswered questions. Hmm. One of my best friends loves to tell this story. When he and his wife and two children sit down and have family time, they often love to play with puzzles. His youngest son also loves to take one or two of the pieces and hide them and giggle with glee while his family runs around frantically trying to find a missing piece so they can finish the puzzle. There's nothing worse than a puzzle unfinished. Maybe I'm the only one that believes that here, but I definitely do. I was trying, but I just couldn't get out of my own head. I couldn't get past the regrets of opportunities lost. About 10 o'clock one Saturday evening, I got a phone call on my cell phone that changed the game. The stream of emotions was indescribable. I didn't know what to say. I couldn't speak. I couldn't function. I felt like I was standing outside of myself. One of my little sisters called me to tell me that our father, my father, was dead. We're talking about a man that I chased around the country almost. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, basically around the whole country. Trying to offer him my love. Just wanting him to say, I love you, son. Just wanting him to say that he saw me, that he recognized that I was here. That he saw my talents. He saw that I sing just like him. I think I sung better, but whatever. That he saw the him in me and he was proud. I didn't want his money. I didn't want the inheritance. If there was one, I just wanted his approval on the man that I had become. From the moment I got that phone call, my life was turned upside down. I was working, but I wasn't in a good place. I had to get blood out of a turnip just to get a flight ticket to go to California. The phone call brought a burden with it right away. The long lost forgotten son, the black sheep was expected to jump in and help. Members of the family were telling me how I need to do it. Do it this way, do it that way, do this, do that, go left, go right. But nobody helped. Nobody stepped up. And it was just me. I was the only option. Have you ever been in a place where you were unsure of yourself and you didn't even like the kind of person that you were and who you had become, but you were still the best possible option available? Man. I battled with unforgiveness and self-pity for a while. I was coming apart of the seams, 
Just like that old army duffel bag that I love so much. I don't know how I was going to pull it off. How could I be there for somebody who was never there for me? How could I serve somebody on this level that I didn't even know, a family I had no idea about? It was hard to get my mind wrapped around what I was faced with. But the Lord was faithful and he carried me through the entire ordeal, gave me some insight into things I didn't know. He helped me to be a support and encouragement to my little sister who I thought had everything I wanted. After I came back home to Florida, after burying my father and and taking care of all of the uh, the business and the memorial ceremony and all of the things that needed to be taken care of, closing on, just closing up shop on his house and just finalizing everything. It was my opportunity to take hold of a part of him before he left. To be honest, that's where Yusef Michael Marshall came from. Michael wasn't my given middle name. I'm called by that by a lot of people, but that wasn't that's not my given middle name. I gave it to myself as a memoriam to my father. A dedication to a man who might have loved me at eight if he known how great I was. <laughs> Just kidding, kinda. I was connecting myself to a man that I barely knew. He's my wagon to a man that had a history I knew nothing about. Nothing I did could help me achieve his love and acceptance. All I could do was take a part of his name while he whisked away into eternity. The middle name to replace the one I never had. I guess somewhere I thought that it was a respect and an honor for me to do that. Maybe it was my way of just holding on to the little piece of him that I had left. Michael, such a strong regal name, a name used by saints and angels. A name carried with pride from generation to generation. For me, it was a desperate act by a desperate young man clinging to a history that didn't include him in it. An excellent name that wasn't given and it wasn't earned and perhaps it wasn't even required. I wrote about a lot of this in The Heart of a Stepfather. I think part of the revelation that I realized is that I was dragging old stuff into a new season of my life. It was unwise, it was burdensome, and really quite unnecessary. Part of the revelation for me was that there was no way I could enter into this new territory I was earmarked for as long as I carried me burdens that should have been left behind from journeys past. Today I stand before you and I know my name. I understand its origin and I understand its heritage. I know why it was given to me. I know that it was inspired by God for me to have it. I know who I am. I know what I'm called to do. I'm not perfect like Ephesians chapter 4 perfect. But I'm working on it. Now I can watch TV and see a little boy playing with his father. And I won't bust out into uncontrollable crying. Like like I have in times past. 
I don't hold old, old debts and, and, and ill will toward my father. Who likely did the best that he knew how to do with the information that he had. I've grown wiser and stronger in the process of all those tears and all of that hurting and all of that grieving. But like in a natural death, the same as any other kind, this old stuff, you got to just let go. Give it away, sell it, throw it away, but don't carry it with you. Don't carry it with you. Michael's story wasn't unique to the place where I come from. There are plenty of Michaels out there. Michael's story was a story of abandonment, heartbreak, a quest for validation, and an earnest desire just to be loved, pure and simple. Michael was birthed out of a sea of hurt, anger, and and distrust. But if he was never born, I wouldn't have realized how dependent I was on him and how much of a crutch he was to me. It was the excuse for many of the bad things that happened to me. It was my thought that it was inevitable because I was rejected. I lacked self-esteem. That's why Michael was in my life to start with. All those situations of spiritual mentors and father figures that let me down and bailed on me. It validated why Michael was a part of my life. But I realized more and more in that time, and even cemented even more now, I don't need Michael to link me to my father or keep my memories of him alive. I didn't need Michael to give me or help me give honor to my father. I didn't need to hide behind Michael any longer. I've grown very happy with being Yusef or Mr. You. People to this day worship things, ideas, and even people in their lives to give themselves solace and some semblance of inner peace. But everything we clutch with a white knuckle grip isn't good for us. Michael was doomed because he was unable to grow. He was always that scared little kid longing for his father and longing for approval. He couldn't go where Yusuf needed to go in his life. Michael represented something old, something contrived, something designed to be a replacement for something that was authentic. There are very few deaths that one might celebrate. But this is a great example of at least one that I had to celebrate. Wherever you are today, however you're hearing the Call Me Mr. You, the podcast, thank you again for making the Call Me Mr. You just a small part of your morning, your day, and your week. We your weekly mirror check before you go change the world, baby. Thank you again for joining us. Follow us on Twitter at Call Me Mr. You and on Facebook at They Call Me Mr. You. Let us know how you enjoy the show. Enjoy the music. Coach out. Thanks again for listening to the Call Me Mr. You, the podcast. Hope you enjoyed the show. Please like, share, and subscribe to our YouTube channel for all of our full-length live episodes. And of course, if you're an audio listener, wherever you enjoy your podcast listening, you can find They Call Me Mr. You, the podcast. Hope you enjoyed the show. Go change the world. Coach out.